Welcome to the Realizing Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Christensen. This is where we dive in each week to chat about parenting, education, and realizing our children's genius. I'm an educator with a background in individualizing learning, and I'm obsessed with helping people find and nurture that genius in their children and themselves. Let's dive in. Hi, geniuses. Today I have Shannon Moss, a fellow homeschool mom. Shannon, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm excited to be here. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, too. <laughs> yeah. Now, we homeschool together. We're in the home, uh, same homeschool community right now, and I've gotten to know you a little bit better, and I just love how you think about things. And your specialty is is health. Can you tell us a little bit about how you decided to go into health? Yeah, well, I grew up in a really health conscious family, honestly. My parents, we like to joke that they met over their love of like zero sugar and vegetarian. And <laughs> so that was my my upbringing. You know, my sister's birthday, her first birthday cake was like a date nut cake kind of a thing. That was that was my upbringing. And I was a competitive athlete when I was eight years old. And so I always just thought health came so easy to me because that was the life that I grew up in. But in my mid twenties, I was married. I had two kids. I was doing a lot of things and all what I thought were good things. And from one day to the next, I just couldn't function. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't drive a car. I couldn't take care of my kids. I couldn't eat food. I could barely walk. And I, it took probably a year and a half to get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease among other things. And it was really eye-opening to me because I thought it couldn't happen to me because I grew up like that, because I was athletic, because I thought that I had an awareness. I was eating healthy and I was exercising, but there was a huge component that was missing. And that was my mental health. And it was all of the things combined. Absolutely. When I took back control of my health, and decided to work on healing myself after working with lots of doctors who I'm sure saved my life. I'm not saying that doctors aren't good, but when it came time, I was on so many medications that I didn't know what was working anymore. Some of them were making other things worse. I decided that I wanted to be back in the driver's seat. I had given up so much control to the disease itself and to other people. And I didn't like how that felt. So I went back to school, studied at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and then started helping other people who had a similar experience to my own and helping them advocate for their health and go through that process, which was one thing that I wish I would have had somebody who knew anything when I was going through it. And then it just kind of snowballed from there and trying to help more people in my community, in the corporations around me and learning from other people's experiences and then going back to more seminars. I love, love, love learning. And I actually love lectures and that kind of environment, learning environment. So I'm constantly listening to podcasts and lectures and not everybody learns that way. My husband sure doesn't, but I actually loved being in college. I think I'd probably stay there forever if I could. <laughs> so. Well, I love the fact that first of all, you got to the point where you had to take back your life. You um, realized that you needed some more control and you took it. And then you learned something and then you helped other people. But most of all, I love that you 
realized that it needed to have that component of mental health in there as well and how mental health actually affects physical health. Mm -hmm. How do you incorporate that? I mean, what you do is health and wellness. And most people, when they think of that, it's like, okay, nutrition and supplements and, you know, exercise and things like that. They might not include like mindset and, you know, meditation and things like that. Mm -hmm. Why is that so important? Well, they're all connected. And that's one of the things that I had to learn as I was experiencing it myself. One of the things that I kept saying over and over and over again was I, I'm so frustrated that they still haven't found the root cause that it was like, Oh, it's gotta be this thing. And I was getting CT scans and MRIs and all these to find a physical cause for the physical things that I was experiencing. And the more that I looked into it, the more that I realized how real it was that the thoughts that we're thinking and our brain and our gut, also that connection is so powerful in what our physical bodies do. Obviously our brain is what tells our physical bodies to do everything anyway, right? If, if I want to raise my hand, like I just did, my brain told my hand to do that. And so I think that we don't give enough attention really to how powerful our brain is all the time that obviously there's all these subconscious things that happen, but what if we took more power back from that 5% of our conscious brain, right? 95% of what we do is in our subconscious, but that 5% in our conscious brain is so powerful that why wouldn't we think that our brain would have the same effect on our physical body, right? Everything we do physically starts by a thought in our brain that sometimes we're unaware of. Oh, I, I, I'm going to wiggle my toes, right? You wake up from surgery and they're like, wiggle your toes and you have to think about it, but normally you don't have to think about it. But what if we did think about it? And what if we did recognize that all of our thoughts and feelings and all those things associated have a physical effect on our body? And what lots of medical professionals have found is that that is the case, that I'm saying it in a hypothetically, what if, what the reality is, is it does. And as we start testing those things for ourselves, we realize that it does constantly. And that's why I became so passionate about the combination of those two, because obviously fueling our body properly will allow us to think clearly and all those things. But the combination, the marriage of those two is what I have found to have the best outcomes and results for people that they want. That's more long-term rather than you might feel better for a little bit, which is great, but I want to feel good forever and have that sense of control and safety because I have a tool. If I feel that way again, I know what I can do about it. I have always said that mindset is like the first lesson we should really teach our kids. And I mean, that sounds like you incorporate that in so many different ways in, in what you do. So how do you teach that? Because I mean, without the correct mindset, kids can't even learn because let's face it. I mean, you can, you know, take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can put a book in front of a kid. You can't make them learn. So how do we affect the thoughts with our kids? That's a great question. I would love to know the answer. <laughs> I mean, I, I struggle with that with my own kids too, but because they're each different, because the things that they want are different. So that's really where I start most of the time with, because to be totally honest, even the adults that I work with, I'm going to treat them the same as the kids that I work with really, because the, the procedures or kind of the flow of 
of how to kind of go through that to get the results that you want to the same. So it's just helping them recognize what they do have control over. And even your five-year-old has some control, right? And when you start recognizing those things that they do have control over, you can help them say, in this circumstance, you could try this. Or when this happens, what can we do, right? Those are really simple things that you're probably already doing that you don't recognize. When we just say, don't do that, they trust you because you're their parent. So they don't, but because they don't know why, they do it again, <laughs> just to see what'll happen, right? But if we really give clarity to, you know, here's what's happening, here's the circumstance, and I know this is how you think about it, I know this is how you feel about it, but this is the outcome, is that what you want? And if that's not, then let's go back and change how you think and how you feel and the actions that you take if this isn't what you want. And sometimes on a very, very basic level for younger kids, but especially for me, older girls, sometimes they what they want is to go out with their friends <laughs> so here's the circumstance and here's the thoughts and actions that are going to go to get you from here to here and then teaching them how to go through that thought process for themselves like you don't need me to coach you through it now you can do that but for really young kids you're going to sit there with them and you're going to help them go through their thoughts and their feelings about what's happening to them and you're going to validate those things but show them that if you continue to feel anger and you continue to feel upset here's the outcome let's talk about what it could look like if your thoughts and your feelings around what's going on could change. And here's the result or the outcome. What one do you want? And I'll help you get there. And I think that that really gives them ownership of how they're feeling. And then when they feel that way again, cause they will, they will, now they have actionable items rather than just being like, oh, I'm mad and I can't hit them. What do I do? They say, well, I'm mad and here's what I can do about it. And they have, now they have like options and they have, like their world kind of opens up a little bit to say, I can decide I could hit them, <laughs> which I have seen happen in like a coaching circumstance. I was literally sitting with a mom. It was the funniest thing. And her two boys um, were playing in the room that we were sitting in. And I don't have boys. I have girls. So I don't understand boys sometimes, but one of them like punched the other one and the other one punched him back. And the one that threw the original punch started crying and the other one like walked away and he was crying, crying, crying. And the mom actually hadn't seen what happened because I was facing and he was crying and he was like, my brother punched me. And I was like, well, you know, if you don't want to get punched, you probably shouldn't punch him. He's like, yeah, but I'm the one crying now. And it was so interesting because he was like, I know that if I get punched, I'm going to cry. So I'm going to punch my brother and he'll punch me back and then I'll get my mom's attention. That was actually the outcome that he wanted. And it was like fascinating to have had it happen while we were sitting in that room. But then I could literally coach her through the process with her kids. Of, okay, I can tell that you're upset that I'm talking to my friend. So what could we do next time? Maybe to have more patience or what's the outcome that you actually want? Is it like attention? What is it? And, you know, he was young. They're like five and seven, maybe something like that. So it wasn't like unexpected and it was actually kind of funny to me. It's always funny when it's not your own, but <laughs> in a very real way, then it kind of gives them more control over the situation. And you as the parent don't have to always fix it. And to me, that's what's a little bit beautiful and like reduces my stress a little bit where I've already taught you how to do this. You know, the correct principle now go use it yourself. Yeah. No, and that's really powerful. I was just talking to a mom of a three-year-old and she just brought home a new baby and this three-year-old is acting up. And she's like, what do I do? I'm used to boys. 
<laughs> so and then she has this little boy he's hitting and I'm like okay you have to start teaching him how to do it right you have to reinforce the good behavior and then have consequences and follow through and it, it's all about that but it's yeah when they get older that walking them through their thoughts you know I think I can see how it could start when they're that young where it's like consequences I loved your uh, example that was just classic because, I mean, <laughs> hey, I've seen it, been there, done that. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our girls but, are a little different. They throw fiery darts that are not quite as physical. And so it really is a lot about feelings at our house. So yeah. we're in a constant state of talking about feelings. So believe me, I, I know it very yes. well, <laughs> very yeah. intimately at our house. I bet. I bet. Well, I know you offer a lot of classes. If someone was having issues with their kids or, you know, could you just give us some ideas on some different topics that they might want to look into? It was, say their kid was having anxiety. What were some, what are sure. some things? Because I know that they can reach out to you and all of your contact information will be in the show notes today, but I'd love for them to just get some ideas on actionable items that they could just do a little bit more research on and then reach out to you about. Yeah, that's great. So especially specifically for anxiety and really any kind of emotional chronic disease disorder, any of those things, I always recommend looking at what they're eating. Eating affects so much of our behavior because it triggers responses within our body, whether it's dopamine, cortisol, adrenaline, all those things, we have a connection. And that's why we reach for sugar for the high because we're, we're chasing that high. And your child will learn that feeling from a very young age and not realize that that's what they're chasing. So even just don't change anything and be aware and maybe have a journal for a couple of days and write down what they're eating and their behaviors just so that you can have an awareness. That's kind of the first place that I like to start because sometimes you might recognize a different trigger. So as we're looking at habits and behaviors, habits are subconscious, behaviors are conscious, we can teach them that they have control over here of the behaviors, right? So we need to we need to look at the habits that are happening that are triggering certain behaviors. And that goes with anxiety and depression and those feelings too. So it could be something else. It could be that every day, the way that you wake them up is triggering to them. <laughs> so, you know, my older girls like to pretend like it's like the worst thing in the world when my husband goes in and like plays the good morning song. And they're like, it's so annoying. But somehow they get up and they're fine. And if we let the animals in there, like if we make the dogs go in there and wake them up, they're totally fine. But if I go in there and turn the lights on and open the windows, it's like, forget it. That is a negative trigger for one of my kids. And I know it. So I don't do it. So if you start recognizing the triggers, then you can work on the behaviors. That's kind of the first thing that I tell, especially moms look for, whether it's diet or the schedule of the day, one of my kids really needs to go know what's going on. If the schedule changes, I know she's going to have anxiety. So I make her very aware of a change and I become more, you know, understanding if it's challenging and I spend more time with her in that. So those are some things. There's also, you know, we call them nutraceuticals that you can try if they don't sleep well, like melatonin or non-habit forming type things. If they want to drink chamomile tea at night to help them calm down or have certain things. My oldest really loves yoga for anxiety. So 
sometimes we have chemical imbalances where it's not a habit or a trigger that's causing anxiety. My kids will wake up in the middle of the night, have an anxiety attack and there's tools. I want to take a warm shower. I like the steam, a weighted blanket or like a rice pack. Um, my youngest really loves tapping. This is like a new thing that I've learned about and it works really well for her. And there are really amazing people who you can go on YouTube and like look up tapping and find ways to like clear these kind of pathways that you have. There's a program called Body Talk where you go really far back into like emotion code and things like that. There's so many good resources out there that I just like to turn people over to the people that have really like dive in really deep. I've had people have really good results with kids who have anxiety of getting in a car because they get motion sickness and they do hypnotherapy. I've never done that for my kids, but it sounds fascinating. So there really are a lot of tools out there. And it just kind of depends. Again, that's why I always start with the habit or the trigger, what is causing it. And then you can go look for the right tool, depending on when you start noticing. Because if you, if you watch for a week, you'll probably figure out what the habits or triggers are, and then you'll know what to go looking for, whether it's just, I mean, my daughter literally just gets anxious knowing that it's time for bed because the day is over <laughs> and her mind just goes and goes and goes. And so we really do have to have all of these tools where we're doing like Epsom salt, magnesium baths, and just like really calming her down. And like the process for going to bed is lengthy for her, but it works for her. And we've had to kind of change it because we noticed that was a trigger. So you kind of have to just be patient and it's, it's constantly trial and error, right? You're like, oh, okay, we tried this. That didn't work. Okay. We tried this. That didn't work. Oh, we tried this and it did work. Awesome. But just that's why the process takes time. Like I said, be patient. It takes time. And a lot of times with kids, it's faster because they're constantly creating neuropathways where we are not. <laughs> so, you know, building neuropathways for an adult takes a lot longer. Yeah. Well, I love that you are talking your kids through that and doing that because just by doing that, you are teaching them, okay, this doesn't work, this does work. And so you're teaching them to take control of their thoughts, their emotions, their their physical being as well in order to solve the, the problems that they're having. And just that alone is just so powerful. I know that I have worked with many families whose kids have had issues with anxiety, um, especially within the last like 10 years. It seems like anxiety, especially in the teen years, is just skyrocketing. I know during the pandemic, I had, you know, on my roster, I had several high schoolers that ended up needing professional help outside the home in order to get through how they were feeling. And I just love all of the actionable things that you have given us to really give them something to do, take control, because I feel like part of that anxiety is, is not having that control. Right. Yeah. And the, I used to teach my stress management classes very list-like, where I was like, try yoga, try meditation, try breathing, try this, try that. And then I realized there's just too many things to list to go over in those classes. So those are actionable things, but that's why I've shifted and learned from um, the people that I get to teach, which is what's so awesome. And people like yourself who I get to learn from and just talk organically, that really the reality is that having that, that thought process around what's going on and that problem solving is really crucial because 
deciding whether you do need professional help or let's try these other things or you know what I really feel like this is spiraling out of control we need to pump the brakes and maybe get you know some professional help while we take these other steps sometimes that's what's needed is that slowing the spiral because we can't take these steps that we want to take because we're so far over here and recognizing that is also important so it's just like having that that validation like yes you can advocate you know best you have the awareness that people don't have and whatever you're thinking is needed is probably right yeah well I have a question for you and this is more about being a homeschool mom and a business owner okay there are so many people who are trying to figure out how to homeschool because of the financial part of it. I mean, our society today, basically it is built on the idea that you have to have a double income in order to support a family in most areas. So mm -hmm. how do you do it? How do you homeschool your kids and have a business? Because I mean, how many classes each week do you, do you teach in your business? I know it's not all you, but I mean, total, how many classes are taught for your business each week? Right now, about 40. It's yeah. not all me, obviously. Yeah, yeah. but 40 um, classes that you are offering to the community. And yeah, but still you have your homes, your homeschooling your kids. How? It takes a village, truly. Yeah. That's what I learned, that I was able to do more in pouring into other people when I asked for what I needed. And that's really how we have found balance because I've always done something. I haven't always done this. It's really interesting at one of the school sites that I teach at, they're like, weren't you the music teacher? That was my original major was vocal performance and music education. And I'm like, well, I was when my kids were here because I wanted to be where they were. So I was teaching other homeschool kids music until this all kind of transpired. So I've always kind of had my hand in something. And so I've always needed more help than what I was really getting, especially my kids are young. I didn't realize how much I needed other moms in my life. And especially probably in the last five years, as I've really created the community around me that is the best for my family, and that's not necessarily the best for everybody's family, but for me personally, I've been able to give into that community pretty significantly because that community is also giving back to me that in the ways that I needed for my kids in different ways, they were able to give and I was able to give and recognizing where I didn't, I didn't need to do all the things. I could say no to some of the things and allow other people that I grew to love and trust to help raise my children too, because I trusted them and they trusted me. And that was a huge part of my homeschool journey and like kind of revelatory to me actually was <laughs> maybe I don't have to do this by myself. And I was doing it by myself when my kids were younger, which is probably why I got so sick because I did own a business and I was trying to do things for myself. All these things that on paper people said you were supposed to do, but not asking for help and not relinquishing some control to other people, realizing that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I've been part of other, th other programs that weren't good, but we tried it. And it's constantly a moving target. Every year, my kids might need something different. And as you know, you want to be able to settle into like the perfect homeschool routine. And it's always going to be that. And it's just not. It's never been the same year to year. One of my kids wants to be here or there or wherever. And being open to that and being open to how you can give with your genius and how you can lean on other people's genius to help where, where you shouldn't have to. Because if you're trying to do it all, 
then you probably are burned out and stressed out if you're doing it all. And there's probably other people who feel the same where if you guys came together, which if you're at this conference, you are coming together and you probably already recognize that. So I think that to me was really key in how to balance all of those things. And when I'm at the homeschool location or I'm homeschooling my kids, I'm all in on that. And my kids know it and the people that I'm with know it. And then there are times where I have to step away and be all in with my business and my kids know it and the other people in my life know it. And I just compartmentalize so that I can do that so that I can be like, nope, this is what I'm doing today. And I'm doing it for a couple of hours. And then as soon as I'm not, I'm with you. I'm, you know, my daughter waited and waited and waited the other day until I was ready to sit down and paint our nails together and talk and all those things. And she knew because she knew she could expect that from me. And, you know, maybe if I didn't stick with that, it'd be a little bit harder, but I've tried to manage expectations with my kids very clearly that I promise you will get the time that you need from me. And it was scary at first to set that boundary with them because I didn't want to, especially if my young kids have separation anxieties and things like that. And my youngest kind of does. But when I was really clear with her, like, I promise you, you'll get time with me. And then when she did, and then when I followed through with it again, and then followed through with it again, then they start having that, that safety and that understanding. And then they can support you right back in showing them the why. Like I am doing this, not just for income. That's part of it. We're really fortunate that for the time we've been able to live on my husband's income, but for me, it's about giving back to my community. There are a lot of times where I'm just serving, where I'm not getting paid to do it, but that actually fills my bucket. There are things that take from my bucket and I have to recognize those things too. I'm still willing to do them, but I really focus on these things when I do go and serve the community and teach these health and wellness classes that fills me. And then I'm able to go pour into my family or my homeschool community or whatever it is, because I'm recognizing what I need um, to be able to do that. But asking was the hardest part for me, probably. No, I I believe it. (laughs) I believe it. No, um, getting that help and recognizing your need for community. That's awesome. One of the first things I will tell people is that they need to find a community when they're thinking about homeschooling. I mean, even people with little kids, they think at that point that they're getting the community for their kids, but it's not. We as moms need community. I remember when I had four little boys running around driving me nuts. Um, (laughs) I needed to be able to have a grown-up to talk to, even though it was just once a week. Having that homeschool community really was a lifesaver, just like you, you shared. So yeah, no, it is, it is so important. And the kids need it too, especially as they get older, but I have found it just indispensable. So, yeah. um, Oh yeah. 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 Well, Shannon, this has been amazing. I am so grateful for um, all that you do and for what you give our community, our homeschool community, and then the wider community as well, because health and nutrition and understanding that mindset connection is something that I really feel should be that for one of those first lessons that we teach our kids. And so many of us as adults don't have that lesson learned yet either. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you have that to share with the world and that sharing that genius is, is so important. Grateful for this opportunity. Cause like you said, it's so important. Yeah, it, 
it is. And I'm also, I just want to make sure everybody knows that the you have a presentation on the Realizing Genius Homeschool Conference that is February 22nd through 27th, and that is completely free. If you can't make it to that, there will be recordings available for purchase. So be sure and check out Shannon's presentation on that, and you can get even more information. So thanks again, Shannon. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Realizing Genius podcast. Head over to realizinggenius.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links and to share your ideas of anyone you would like to have me interview. Have a wonderful week realizing your genius.